You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Wonderful. Well, as Martin said this morning, it's only three sleeps till Christmas. Woo! There's a few more. We're a bit more awake now, aren't we? Three sleeps. Till Christmas, it's not long to go. Uh, is there anyone in the room who hasn't finished their shopping yet? One or two. Anyone in the room hasn't started their shopping yet? One or two. It's a busy couple of days ahead. I, uh, I went shopping yesterday. I uh, had the misfortune of arranging to meet back up with a child in a certain place where it turned out someone was doing a charity collection for the British Heart Foundation, and their approach to this was to sing carols as loudly as possible and as out of tune as possible and stop when people donated. And my child took ages, and I had to stay there because I told them I'd meet them there, and it was very busy. But there we are, the wonders of Christmas. Three slips till Christmas, we're going to head straight into the Christmas narrative this morning. And if you want a title for the message, it is The Message of the Manger. And if you want to turn with me, we're going to read from Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 20. It says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the angels said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of the Lord. Now I want to ask us a question this morning before we go any further with the message, which I want to know here this morning of you in the room, who has been involved in a nativity and who has played a shepherd? I know last week we had Kieran and we had John Salisbury as shepherds. Oh, we've not got that many. A few shepherds. Okay, thank you. Hands down. Anyone here in the room played an angel in a nativity? A few more. A few more angels. That's good good to see. We had Beth and Sarah here last week at our carol service dressed up as angels. I've never played a shepherd. Never put a tea towel on my head. Uh, I've never done that. But I do have a vivid rem- uh, memory of playing an angel in a church nativity. I must have been only about six or seven years old. And because my dad was a vicar, we lived in a vicarage that was literally across 
the road from the church. So on the morning of the nativity, we needed to be there a bit early, but I could go there myself because it was literally just across the road. It was one of the few winters that I can remember where it was snowy for a long time. It had snowed in December and there was a lot of snow still on the ground. So that morning I put on my welly boots and uh, got my costume together in my plastic bag, stepped across the road, all good to go. Got there, got changed. The morning went well. I remembered all my lines. It all went perfectly. It was a success. But I'd been unsure as to when and where I should change my footwear. Wasn't sure where I should leave my shoes, and so I hadn't changed them. And unfortunately, it didn't go unnoticed to the members of the congregation that I was the first angel they had ever seen coming to the shepherds in Wellington boots. (laughs) It was something that I kind of struggled to live down in childhood. It got repeated every year, but I now feel quite proud of. I was an angel in Wellis. And the reality is many, many of us have been involved in nativities with or without welly boots. Or maybe we're just very familiar. We've read the nativity readings. As we read those verses this morning, you know the words that are coming next because you've heard them year after year. And the challenge with this is there's a familiarity. It can kind of wash over us because it's not new. In fact, it's part of our childhood. It's part of our memories. It can just seem very normal. You know, often whatever is part of our growing up, we assume to be normal. We can consider whatever way things were in our household is normal, whatever normal really is. But we can think whatever is familiar to us is normal. And it's only when we're shown a different way or that we might view differently what we grew up with. I grew up in a big family and Christmas Day had a certain way about it. We would have some stockings with a few presents in the morning, and all our other presents, we would have to wait until we'd had lunch and washed up. That's when when presents could be opened. But there were always loads of presents because there were so many people. It may be that my memory is also exaggerated because I was small and the the, uh, the, uh, pile of presents was large, but this was how it was. And what would happen is the presents would kind of be dished out into piles around the room, and then everybody would just go at their pile. There would be various interruptions if something, someone opened something really exciting and made a big noise and everyone would look. But otherwise, everyone was on with opening their stuff and we'd catch up at the end, find out later what people had been given. Now, when I first experienced Christmas in Martin's family, and some of you may have had similar experiences, Christmas was very different. It was normally a much smaller gathering. Two parents, one sister, And a long time ago now, but we also had one grandparent there. And one present at a time would be selected from under the tree, (laughs) presented to the recipient, and then opened as everybody watched. I I found this high pressure. This was high pressure uh, present opening, because you've got no time to work on your response. It's like it's all happening in real time. But I've learned that what was familiar to me growing up is not the only way. It's not always the best way, but what we grow up with colors our expectation of what is normal and what's to be expected. And when we come to these Christmas accounts that we read every year and we have read every year, they seem familiar. They seem normal. We've grown up with them. They can seem even ordinary. 
But the message of the manger, the words that we've read this morning, the shepherds, the angels, it's anything but ordinary. What we read of this morning is extraordinary. It is out of this world. And so this morning, I want to bring us three simple observations just to help us to see afresh what God is doing and help us engage again with the message of the manger. So first up this morning, the thing that I want to draw our attention to is the announcement to the unlikely. The announcement to the unlikely. Because what we're reading of in these verses this morning is an announcement. If you like, it's a celestial newsflash. It's like the biggest push notification on record, if you like. This is heaven's communication to the earth about what is taking place. Here we find angels, as so often in Scripture, carrying God's announcement, God's message. Yep, the baby had been born in Bethlehem, and that was a significant moment. But right here, what we're reading of is the announcement. This is the memo. Here is the moment there's a message from heaven so that men might know what is going on, that men might know that this one born is Christ, the Lord, a Savior who has come. So the angels come and say, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This is the message. This is the announcement. Now, I don't know if I told you this morning and I asked you and said you had to make one announcement. You had one communication on behalf of God to the earth, and you had to decide who that went to. If you had the responsibility of conveying the unfolding mystery and miracle of the Christ baby born, who would you take it to? Who would you speak it to? Most of us would naturally move towards those with power or influence, those probably in some sort of a position, maybe in a palace or a council house or in government perhaps in the media. You'd look, whoever's got the most influence, the most followers on social media, maybe we'd go there. Perhaps we'd think, let's go to Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury. He's a suitable person. Or let's find the grandest religious gathering and take the news there. Let's make the announcement there. We might have expected the angels to go to the temple to the chief priests, to the teachers of the day, the religious elite who seemingly knew that the Christ was meant to be born in Bethlehem. We heard that last week, didn't we, as Tracy took us to those verses in Matthew. They knew it was written that Christ would be born in Bethlehem. The truth is that none of those people were near Bethlehem on the night that Jesus was born. They were all back in Jerusalem in the power base, the religious center, the place where everything of significance seemed to happen, they were not nearby when the Savior was born. And so God sends his angels to deliver their world-changing message. He sends an announcement to the unlikely. A group of unsuspecting shepherds who it tells us are living out in the fields, they are the ones that heaven picked out to receive this earth-changing news. They were unworthy of this kind of treatment. They knew they were unworthy of this kind of treatment. They knew they weren't fit to engage with heaven, with God's angels, because they were terrified when it first occurred. When the angel comes, they knew they're not fit to stand in this place. 
They don't know if they're going to die as they see heaven opened and angels begin to speak to them. What a shock in the middle of the night. What? You know, shepherds were not well-respected people. They were generally poor. They were lowly. They were uneducated people. They were near the bottom of the social scale. They had no power. They had no influence. They had no voice. They certainly had no followers on social media. They were such unlikely recipients of God's announcement that day. When God sends an angel to announce that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Savior of the world had just been born, they were so unlikely to be the ones chosen. But God chooses to make his announcement to the most unlikely of people in the world's eyes. You know, God, when he comes, he comes to bring a different kingdom. He comes with a different order. He comes with a different perspective. And in keeping with this, the unlikely are chosen. Those at the bottom are lifted to the top in God's purposes. And I invite us this morning in the announcement to the unlikely to take encouragement wherever you find yourself this Christmas, wherever you find yourself at the end of 2019. I remind us that when God came, he chose to make his announcement to the unlikely. He gave the sign of the manger to some unsuspecting, roughneck shepherds. And if he chose those ones who were so unlikely, I figure none of us is ruled out. That's the encouragement of the announcement to the unlikely. My second observation this morning is that there's an invitation to the unwelcome. The invitation to the unwelcome. You see, the shepherds didn't just receive an announcement, but really what the angels were giving them was an invitation. The angel said to them, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. You will find. It was an invitation to go, to enter in, to pay them a visit, to actually go there and find and see the manger. The shepherds would not have assumed to make a visit. In fact, generally, they would not be welcome to visit. In the tradition of the rabbis who were the ones who really interpreted the Jewish law, they stated that shepherds were unclean. That meant you couldn't be in the presence of a shepherd and then go and worship because they were unclean. It meant shepherds were generally unwelcome because they messed up people's worshiping and ceremonial schedule. They were unclean. And so, in this remarkable announcement from heaven to earth, the unwelcome are invited to come in. I hope you can grasp this this morning, that at this, the most significant moment in history, as God enters the world in flesh, as he comes as the savior who would one day save the world, it's like the angels fast forward in grace and invite the unwelcome to come in. They invite the unclean to come and celebrate the arrival of the Holy One. The sign the angel gives is that they'll find the baby wrapped in cloths. That was normal. And lying in a manger, 
that was the sign from heaven. You know, the message of the manger, it, it was the sign. The manger was the sign that was given to the shepherds by which those on earth would know that this baby was no ordinary baby, but that it was Christ the Lord, the one in the manger. The giving of the sign to the shepherds, the clear expectation in the words, you will find. They were given the invitation to come and to enter in to the purposes of God that evening. As Christ the Lord entered the world, the unwelcome were invited in to play a part. You know, they probably would have wondered if they'd actually be welcome when they showed up. You know, we've probably all had a time, we know how this feels, when we're going somewhere and we're not sure how we're going to be received. Maybe we're not sure if we're relationally okay with someone. Maybe we're just arriving unannounced for some reason somewhere and we think, oh, how's it going to be? Am I going to be welcome? Is it going to be awkward? You know what I mean? I wonder if they thought like that. You know, these men had been terrified at the first appearing of the angel. Perhaps they would have been reluctant to go, unsure of how they'd be received, whether they would be welcomed or turned away at the door at the coming of a great king. And so perhaps it was the knowledge that the angels gave him that he would be wrapped in cloths, because this was a normal way for a peasant baby to be wrapped. Maybe that's what assured them of the humble way in which the Lord was arriving. Or maybe it was the reinforcing of the invitation by the hosts of heaven who filled the sky. I can't even imagine what that must have been like. Have you tried to imagine being outside in the pitch black and the sky being filled with the hosts of heaven? It's hard for our heads to imagine what it could have been to see the sky filled with angels, praising God, saying glory to God in the highest. On earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. But the unwelcome were invited. And somehow they were convinced that they would be received, and so they went. And it says, they said, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened that the Lord has told us about. And so they went, and they found Mary, Joseph, the baby who was lying in the manger. And the final verse tells us that they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. They must have been welcomed for that to have been their response. It was an invitation to the unclean. They were welcomed in. The invitation to the unwelcome. And thirdly, this morning, the third thing I wanted to draw our attention to is the message was entrusted to the unqualified. You know, what was happening in this announcement and this invitation, it was not simply so the shepherds would know what was happening. Yep, they were recipients of the announcement. They were invited to visit, but it wasn't all about them. They were given a message. They received the message of the manger. You see, that was the sign. There may have been other babies born in Bethlehem that evening. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. There would certainly have been other houses and places where mothers were there with tiny babies. They would have been wrapped in cloths. The only difference, the only distinguishing sign was that this one was laid in a manger. It was the shepherds who knew 
how to find the one that was sent from heaven. It was the manger that pointed to who the baby was. And the shepherds were the recipients of this message that Christ the Lord had come. You know, other than a star in the sky, which we heard about last week, which would be understood by some Gentile stargazers in a faraway land, this was the memo, this was the message from heaven, the only one. Now, when we work here in the week, the church team are on the top floor, the Welcome Center, the conferencing team, they're on the, the first floor, and we wait for a phone call most days around 1 p.m. from the kitchen that tells us that there's some food, there's lunch ready. Just one person gets the phone call. Now, there's an expectation on the one person who gets the phone call that is that they're not just going to head downstairs and tuck in. We expect that the news will be shared because a lunchtime call is good news, yeah? We expect that the person who receives it is going to share the news. And what I want us to see here is it wasn't just the grace of God announcing the message to the unlikely or his mercy inviting the unwelcome to come in, but the very message of what was being entrusted to the unlikely, the unwelcome, and the unqualified to pass it on because the message was not just for them. It wasn't just given for their benefit. It was indeed good news of great joy for all the people, for all the people. And these boys who the message was given to, they, they were shepherds. We've got no reason to think they were bad shepherds. I think they were probably good shepherds, diligent in doing their job. They were there in the fields watching their sheep, doing what they should be doing, but they were not speakers. These boys were not articulate. These boys were not communicators. These boys were not educated or would have had a way with words. They did practical work with their hands. They knew how to manage the sheep. They, they weren't singers. They couldn't replicate what they'd heard the angels sing in the heavens. They couldn't do that to pass that on. How could they be entrusted with so important a message? How could that work? It seemed they had no platform, no influence, no position, not even maybe the skills that we would think they should have had. And yet the message was entrusted to the unqualified. And what did they do with it? Verse 17, it tells us, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. They were unlikely candidates. They were invited in as the unwelcome. And really they were unqualified to be trusted with the message, but they began to spread the word concerning what they'd been told. We're told that all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them, not surprisingly. But the message was entrusted to the unqualified and they spread the word. What should we take from these verses this morning? What is the message of the manger for us here at the close of 2019? Well, the announcement of the manger that was made to the unlikely, it comes to remind us, you may not seem like a prime candidate to be in the center of God's purposes. You may not feel like you're an obvious choice, but God can use any of us. 
God seems to delight in choosing the unlikely. He seems to delight in choosing the unlikely. You're not ruled out, however it may look to you. His purpose does not need to look likely for us to find ourselves counted in. God has a purpose and a plan for every one of you in this room that is part of His eternal purposes. You may not feel like it, it may seem unlikely, but God delights to choose and to use the unlikely. Can I encourage you to be expectant, to ask Him to use you if that is your desire, even and especially if it looks unlikely. As we read these verses this morning, and an invitation was given to the unclean and they were welcomed in. The truth is that for all of us, without Jesus Christ and His cleansing, we are all unclean. Every one of us, none of us hits God's standard. And the message of the manger this morning that was given to the shepherds on that evening, it reminds us that we are welcome to come to the Savior as we are. Yes, in need of cleansing. Yes, in need of forgiveness. Yes, in need of a savior. But we're welcome, welcome to come as we are. And maybe towards the end of this year, maybe you've lost your way a little bit. Maybe you know things aren't quite as they should be in your life. The message of the manger comes this morning to remind you that you're welcome to come as you are and to be welcomed in, and that you will be received again. Perhaps you're here this morning, and you've never received the Savior. Perhaps you're here, and you've never responded to the message, this good news, that the Christ, the Savior, came. And you know that you need to give your life to Him, and to be washed clean, I just wonder if that's you here this morning, if you know you need to respond to Jesus, I wonder if you just raise a hand where you are. If you've never responded to Jesus and you need to give your life to Him this morning. That's okay. If it's you and you don't put your hand up in front of everybody, then just come at the end. We'd love to talk with you and pray with you. You know, this message, it was entrusted, it was entrusted to the unqualified. And so too, for every one of us in the room then, if we have already responded to Jesus Christ, we find ourselves as those entrusted with the message. We are the ones to whom Jesus has been revealed. We are the ones who've seen him, who've tasted something of him. We are the ones who have been shown who he is. He's brought us good news of great joy that is not just for us, but for all the people. And of course, we may feel unqualified, and most of us do, when it comes to passing on the good news of Jesus. And we may not be trained, we may be conscious may think we don't have a platform, may think I'm not a speaker, I'm not a communicator, I definitely don't have the voice of an angel. We can be so conscious of all the things that rule us out. But the message has been entrusted to us. 
And it is a message of good news, of great joy, that is for all the people. You know, the message still needs announcing to the likely and the unlikely. The message still needs announcing to the unclean who need to come in and know that they're welcome. And the message is still entrusted to the unqualified. Unqualified like me and unqualified like you. You know, the Lord has given us His Holy Spirit to help us, to enable us, to empower us, to make us bold, to be witnesses of what we've seen and heard like the shepherds, to be those who spread the word. You know, we can sometimes make this so much more complicated than it needs to be. We think, how will I tell people? How will I say it? How will I explain the gospel? He said, just tell people what you've seen and heard. Just tell people what you know of the Savior. And you don't have to know everything. None of us know everything. But we have been entrusted with the message of what we have seen and heard of the Savior, of Christ the Lord. In a moment, we're going to sing together the carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. The first verse in it says, Joyful, all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies with the angelic host proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem. It's calling us to join in the proclamation that Christ is come, that the Savior has come, that there is one who is Christ the Lord. And I want to let the word encourage us this morning, but also to challenge us to be those who will proclaim, to be those who will spread the word of what we've seen and heard. Gabriel, leading our staff prayer time this week, took us to Romans 10, 14, where it talks about salvation. And it says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And he encouraged us to think about those in our families who would be seeing over Christmas who don't yet know Jesus. And he encouraged us to think how we could be intentional about sharing with them this Christmas what we've seen and what we've heard. It's deeply challenging, but we've been entrusted with the message, the message that is for all people. As I finish here this morning, I want to give us an opportunity to respond, to encourage us. So maybe you're here and you want to say, in the next days and weeks and months, I may not seem likely, but I want a place in the purposes of God. I want God to use me. And I'm encouraged that if He can use the shepherds, He can use me. And maybe this morning in a moment when I invite you to stand, that's you say, actually, I just, I just want a part in what God's doing. And I want Him to use me. Maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, I, I just need, to, I'm so glad that I'm welcome and I know I need to come in again. I've backed off. I'm not close where I need to be. I need to know that I'm invited and I want to respond this morning and come close again. Or maybe you're here and your response this morning is to say, I've been entrusted with the message and I want God to help me to be a spreader of what I've seen and heard. I want the Holy Spirit to help me and empower me. I don't know how I'm going to do that, but I want Him to fill me that in the days and the weeks and the months ahead, that I would be one who tells others 
just what Jesus has done in me, just what I've seen, and the others would be amazed at what they hear. So I wonder if you want to respond to any of those this morning, that you might stand to your feet and then we're gonna pray. If you want the Lord to use you, if you wanna come closer, if you want Him to fill you with your spirit, His spirit, so that you can be a spreader of the word. Stand to your feet and then we're gonna pray. And I encourage you to position yourself to receive the Holy Spirit this morning. Lord, we thank you for the way in which you came. We thank you that you came. We thank you for the way in which you came that shows us so much of your heart, that shows your grace, that shows your purposes, and we thank you. Lord, we thank you that unlikely as it is, you choose us. None of us is ruled out. We thank you that you have a plan and purpose for every one of us. And we pray in this next season that you would keep equipping us and positioning us for everything that you have for us to do in your eternal purposes. And I pray you'd encourage every heart this morning that you see them and know them and you have a purpose for them. I thank you, Lord, that you welcome us in as we are. And pray, Father, for every one of us that these next months will be months when we come closer than we've come before, that we let you keep cleansing us and making us holy as we journey with you. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, would you anoint every one of us afresh? Would you fill us, Holy Spirit, with your power and with boldness to share, to spread the word of what we've seen and heard, to speak of what we know of Jesus the Savior? so that others might find you and others might know and so that you would be glorified and honored. Holy Spirit, fill us and keep filling us, we pray. We thank you, Lord. Let us become those who keep proclaiming with the angels that Jesus Christ, the Savior, is come. And we thank you, our God and Savior. Amen.